So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read a few things here together again. And in Ephesians 2, if you, if you have your Bible, turn there, because it's always nice to read it, but of course I have it on the screen. I'm going to be using different translations, so... Ephesians 2.18, it says this, And now, say with me, now, because we are united to Christ. How did we get united to Christ? For my works? My efforts? <laughs> what, how, how did I get it? From the grace of God that was extended towards us, I called upon the name of Jesus, and I was immediately connected. Now, don't ever let those types of words go, oh yeah, that's good. This is the best news for you and I to hear. We are united to Christ. And now it says, we both, talking about Jew and Gentile in context, it says, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you, verse 19, are not foreigners and you're not a guest. So we've taken some time to eliminate, we have to get rid of a guest mindset when it comes to the kingdom of God. Oh God, would you? No, he already has done. Sons don't try to go, you know, dad, could you please, I'm just begging you, please, please, would you do this for me? And dad's already going, I already gave it to you. So, you know, I have to come with the right mindset in this kingdom. We're no longer trying to get God to do something when he's already done it. When you walk into, when I walk into my parents' house, the fridge is full. And when I leave, it's unfull. Is that a word? But then when I go back, guess what? It's filled up again. I don't know how it does, but I'm so thankful for Costco. But you, same way, you have a heavenly father who fills the fridge. And it's constantly full. So you and I keep going, oh, father, would you keep, would you please, would you please? He's already done it. So go open the fridge, receive what he gave you, and go, thank you. Anyways, that's another message. But now he says, rather you are children of the city of the holy ones, with all the righteous family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation. Aren't you thankful for this ideal foundation? Laid by the apostles and the prophets, and best of all, is that you got connections. And your connection is to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. You are connected. Man, I'm thankful for connections. Verse 21. Now this entire building, yes, me as a person, as an individual, member in the body of Christ, but also collectively, we are under construction. And I am continually growing under his supervision and it is rising up, completed at, as the holy temple of for the Lord himself. Verse 22, this means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. And we know the holy of holies in the Old Testament, what was it? That's where God would show up, right? And when God showed up, things changed, correct? Man, God burnt mountaintops. He would just show up. He would just, you know, put his tiptoe on it and all of a sudden the mountain's on fire. Like... Things change drastically when he shows up. So you and I individually, yes, as an individual, but you're this so much bigger than just my individual walk with the Lord. It's supposed to affect all of us, and it's to us together are to become the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. God wants a home, and his home is you and I. Okay, now, as we talked about also Luke 15, 21, it also said, uh, Jesus used the words, your home now. 
So what we see in Ephesians chapter 2 and what we see in Luke chapter 15 verse 21 is that you and I, we have experienced a few things. We've experienced a spiritual rebirth, correct? Where our eyes have been changed. Our hearts have been changed. Our ears have been changed. We got new sets that we can hear and see now from another realm. Anybody got that this morning? Okay, so seven of you, the rest of you, do you have these eyes and ears? This is something you should get excited about. You're not limited to just this. Because pretty soon, snow is hitting that ground and you're going to be, why do I have to see this all the time? I'm so thankful that I have another set of eyes that I can see another dimension. Do you got that? How did you get it? Because you have been united to Christ. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, Heaven is your destination. Yes, heaven is where you reside. Heaven's where you're from. But more importantly, it's also I can experience it here on this earth. You and I are now living expressions of heaven's culture to this earth. But we have to see it so that we can live it out. Okay. Also, what now do I see from these verses is I also have a covenant with Almighty God as my dad. And I've been given all the rights and privileges that God's family has. So here's the thing. I don't want to stop there. Change is required. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to change. Now look at yourself and say, I need to change. Now it's not change for the sake of change. What's the change? The change is Romans 8, 29 and 30 is to look just like the master. So that's where we're going. That's the whole purpose behind this change is for you and I to be transformed into the image of King Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Now together, again, as a body, we are here to proclaim the gospel to this earth and to demonstrate Jesus's victory over death. That's what we're here for. Because the greatest fear, all the fears that are out in the world, all the phobias that are out there, the, uh, the root to all of it is the fear of dying. But Jesus took that fear away, Hebrews chapter 2 tells us. Chapter 2, two, two, chapter 2, he took upon himself this flesh so that he could annihilate the fear that was associated with it by actually taking death down to hell itself and then rising victoriously. So death for a believer is a glorious thing. Yes, yes, I mean, death is still the enemy. Don't get me wrong. Death sucks, period. But the end result for a believer is not you having to experience death. You die, and guess what your next breath is? It's almost like you kind of just do a little step over a pothole. See that pothole? That's death. I'm just... Make it more fun. <laughs> I pass over it. And that's what Peter actually talks about, you coming, making a joyful entry into this resurrection life. It's beautiful. So if you've lost a loved one, or if one, they're not, sorry, not lost, that's the wrong word. I, I don't want to give death a standing ovation. I don't give respect to death because it's an enemy. What we do is we celebrate where they're at. Woo, man, I tell you. Now, so this is what we're here to demonstrate, but how do we demonstrate and how do we proclaim this gospel effectively? Jesus gave us the secret sauce. Remember? What is the word? Abiding. Now we used that analogy last week. Anybody watch Space Jam? The first one. The first one. That's way better. The first one with Bugs Bunny. 
Come on, y'all. Where are the 90s parents and kids at? This, is, this was my life. I used to have to hit, please be kind, rewind. You put it back in there. Remember, have to wait for that movie to go back, and then you would watch it again. It's amazing what, how kids can watch the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know how many times I watched Space Jam because the very first part, and welcome to the jam. And I remember just getting so hyped on that. And remember, there's a halftime scene, and the, the Monstars are defeating the Looney Tunes. They're crushing them. Like, it's not, the score is not even close. And so they have this halftime, and you know, Daffy Duck wrecks it all. He's just miserable. Ah, this is great. We're all losing. But then all of a sudden, Bugs Bunny comes up with an idea, and he gives, this is Michael's secret water. And so everybody, they take a sip of it, and all of a sudden, they got this new attitude, this new, let's go get these Monstars, and they end up winning this game because at halftime, they got their halftime talk. Well, for the body of Christ, again, we have a mandate on this earth. It's through proclaiming the gospel. It's through opening the doors. It's through hospitality. Listen, there's a secret sauce for all of this. And it's abiding. To be an effective greeter, guess how you gotta, where you got to be? You got to be abiding. At the door. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, you got to be at the door. That's helpful. But in your time before you get to that door, where am I? I'm abiding. I'm with him. Because it's just as important as any part. Imagine, like, I'm, I, I just take the time. You know what? I'm, I chose not to abide these last three months. And because uh, I'm just tired. I just think that I'm going to just show up. I'm going to Google a message. And I'm going to just preach something that I got off Google. Are you all okay with that? You can tell when somebody is abiding and when somebody is not. See? Okay. Now, let's read this here again. John 15. So we know the secret sauce is abide. Now, as I said, every function in the body is required to abide. So rather than looking this at this as like, oh, I got to do this, man, I get to. The Lord is actually inviting me in close to see him for who he really is. Don't settle for secondhand information. That's why you'll never find me. I don't have to go to a confession booth, talk to some guy on the other side of a screen to tell him what I did wrong so that he can talk to God on my behalf. That is not the New Testament. New Testament is I have been given full access because of the blood of Jesus to talk to Jesus for myself. And here's the other cool. He's even better than that. He talks back. His word is the primary source. It's all based on the word. But listen, his spirit lives on the inside of me. I can get unctions from him. Aren't you thankful you don't have to, you know, wait till Sunday to get something from the Lord. You can get it tomorrow morning before you go to work. Who'd have thought? Jesus thought that because he loves his children. He loves his body. And he wants to talk to us. So we got to give him the time. So abiding, so it's not longer excuse. There's not a, another back way to this. There's not another option. It's abiding is it. Right? So this isn't like what Julian was saying earlier this morning. We just kind of go through this fast food thing. Listen, Christianity is not a fast food restaurant. It's not. It is, man. I tell you, it's like, it's long drawn out. It, it takes the time. And you got to let these thoughts, let these words get on the inside of you because Jesus works from the inside out. We'll get there. But Jesus, again, so let's read these verses again. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And again, what does that mean to take away? The Greek literally means to lift up. Right? So that's not in characteristic. We're done. You're out. That's not the, the, the heart of the Father. It's actually to lift you up so you can bear fruit. 
But I want you to notice, though, that the father is not okay with his children not producing fruit. That's not okay. So you and I are supposed to be fruitful for the kingdom. This is a return on investment. The father invested Jesus to humanity. And what's the result? Us. And because he gave me this eternal life, eternal life is supposed to be coming out of me. So yes, I got saved. Woo, thank God for that. But don't stop there because there's also a return on his investment as well. And what is that to be? I live like a kingdom citizen on this earth and I showcase what the father is like. I showcase who Jesus is like to this earth and I simply mirror it. There has to be a response to this. Right? Okay, we good? Okay. Continuing on, he says, every branch that continues to bear fruit, what does he do? He repeatedly prunes. Why? So that there's more fruit. So the Father's heart in all this is fruit, fruit, fruit off of our lives. And again, we're going to see where the branch is. And so where does fruit hang off of? The vine? It hangs off the branches. Okay, verse 3. Now notice, you are already cleaned and you are already pruned because of the word which I have given to you. So what prunes you and I? What gets you ready for more fruit? Or what gets you ready to start bearing fruit? It's the word. Ephesians 5.26 even talks about the washing, how Jesus is with his body. When things are off or things are a bit wrong, he doesn't criticize and go, man, this body of mine is useless. I got to get a new body, man. That's not his mindset. His mindset is, I need to wash the body with my word. So he sends his word, he sends his word, he sends his word, he corrects, he sends his word and he establishes, he sends his word and he heals, he sends his word and he perfects, he sends his word and he matures. This is how the father operates is the word, the word, the word. Okay. So if we're not by the word, the pruning process can't begin. And we kind of go, Father, why is, why is everything not happening? Why is my marriage like this? Why is, why is my body like this? Why is my thinking like this? Are you abiding? Because he's going to use his word to start working in your and my life. So the word has to take on a way higher level of oh, awe and respect and honor and love for so we can see change in our lives. That's where it begins, okay? Now, verse 4, Jesus goes on to say, he says, remain in me. Now, listen, this is the halftime talk, okay? Bugs Bunny is filling up the water bottles in the side, and he came out. These are the words that you're going to hear now. <laughs> remain here in me, and I will remain in you, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. Now, I am the vine, you are the branch. The one who remains in me and I in him, notice. Why do we, we struggle so hard to see fruit. We struggle so hard to, I just got to get my prayers answered. And we're like, like we use many times, spiritually constipated to try to get the word to work. <sighs> I'm going to quote this scripture a hundred times. And you go into emergency tongues and we're quoting scriptures all over the place. And we're going, why is it not working? Here. Right here. He said, the one who remains in me, my word, and I in him bears much fruit. It just starts 
hopping off of you and I. That's how the Father created it. We, we know salvation. Is salvation difficult or easy? Easy. Why would everything after that become so difficult? No, that's a good one. Why? We made it so difficult. Religion has made it so difficult. You have to earn. You got to work. You got to do this. You got to fast for eight hours before God will even listen to you. All ludicrous when it comes to the gospel of grace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I lost my spot on that one. Uh, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me. You can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch, withers and dies, and they gather such branches in the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you remain in me. Now notice this. And my words remain in you. That is, if my words, they are vitally living on the inside of you. If they take hold of you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is it right here. Then verse 8. This is what shows... Glory to the Father. My Father is glorified and he's honored by this. What's the this? Answered prayer. This is what he gets glory by. Right? When you bear much fruit and you prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Now, how do I know if I'm abiding? How will I know that? Now again, where are we abiding? So Jesus says, live in me. What does that mean? How do I live in somebody that I can't see with these eyes? I live in his word. Okay, but what word do I? Okay, Genesis chapter one, uh, in the beginning, God. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to live in that. I'm trying to live in it. What does it look like? What word are we talking about? My words. He's talking about the words of his grace. The gospel is where you and I are supposed to live. Now, I want again, I'm just laying this, this real strongly for us because this is questions that I get regularly and we got to go, just go back to this. Acts chapter 20, look at here. He says, now I, I, now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace. What is the message of his grace? The gospel. What is the gospel? The message of his grace. What is the gospel? The message of his grace. What is the gospel? What is the message of grace? It's the gospel. That's what it is. So you're asking, well, grace is just a topic on its own. No, grace literally is the new covenant that you are a part of. And it is the good news for everyone who believes. This is the good news. It's too good to be true that grace has done all the work. Old Testament is you work for God. New Testament is God has actually worked for you. He's changed it drastically. What did Jesus say? His first message that you see when he came back after 40 days tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, 17, I believe. He says, repent and believe the gospel. What does repent mean? To change your thinking. He didn't say repent of all your sins, all the bad stuff that you've done. No, no, because he took that all upon himself. So what are we doing? We are repenting. We need to change the way that we think and believe, cling to, grasp at the gospel. 
That's what this is all about, is learning to now change my way of thinking and now relying on what the gospel of what Jesus has done for me. That's what Jesus' message was all about. He's like, I'm bringing a big change. That Old Testament, that Old Covenant, it's not that it's, it's useless. It's good. It brings repentance and shows I'm in need of a Savior. But the law, the rules will never lead you into a relationship with your Heavenly Father. It'll show you constantly how bad you are, how you don't add up, how you can't add up. So what do you need? You need a savior to rescue you from this. And who came? Jesus. And he said, I came to fulfill that law. So now you need to repent. You need to change the way you think and start believing and acting like this gospel is true. Church, we got to get this. We even talk about a law that wasn't even given to you. It was given to the Jewish people. (laughs) Okay. So this is why the Apostle Paul, on his talk to the the leaders, he says, I'm entrusting you into God's hands and the message of his grace. If you abide in me and my words, what words? The message of his grace abide in you. Paul goes on to say, which is all that you need to become strong. So strong Christianity, strong believers aren't just people, I I religiously go to church. I do this every day. uh, No. Who are the strong believers? Those that understand, believe, cling to, talk like, think like the message of grace is true in their life. That's what makes you strong. And he says all of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace. How many? All. So we should be students and advocates of grace. How did you get saved? By grace Through faith. It all comes this way. All the promises of God are by grace through faith. Which he provides as a spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. Amen. But now how do I know if I'm abiding in the message of his grace? Let me just give you highlights of what we just read in John 15. Life will be fruitful. You start to think like God. You start to see how God sees You are constantly receiving direction, correction, guidance, and wisdom. You are maturing as a believer and being equipped for God assignments. And your life is not about having more Bible information. Your focus is is transformation. Rather than I got to read, I got to read my chapter. I got to read my, you know, I got to read my whole Bible today. I got to read, I got to read, I got to read. Listen, you are 300 pounds scripturally overweight. (laughs) Grab the one. And start meditating, thinking on that till it gets on the inside of you and you start living that out. Because the goal now for this individual who's been abiding is Ephesians 5.1, which says the focus of my life is to imitate God like his dear child. That's my goal. As a husband, as a son-in-law, my mother-in-law is here this morning. She's wonderful, amazing. That's what it's all about is me learning to abide in him, letting his words change me. Are we okay? Okay, so now, is it safe to say, if I'm not experiencing these things I just listed, it's not God withholding, it's not me allowing the word of his grace to take hold of me. It's misplaced abiding. Because we're all abiding somewhere. Whether it's CNN, Fox, ABC, MSNBC, listening to what the prime minister's got to say, what he doesn't say, listening to what the premier says, doesn't do. It's, it's crazy, but we are all abiding somewhere. 
could be the sport world. It could be whatever thing that you really enjoy. And those are all fine, but not to the expense of my abiding is being misplaced and now being focused elsewhere. I want results. <laughs> okay. So again, so what is the solution? I have to make a decision. See how simple this is? God will never override your will. You are a free moral agent. You can do whatever you want to do, but the decision would simply be, I'm going to base my life off of what he has said and allow his word to govern my life, period. Now, so why is Jesus strongly emphasizing the importance of staying close or remaining abiding? Again, you will always reflect the nature of the world that you are most aware of. And secondly, as we abide in his words, Jesus begins to rub off on us. And there are tremendous side effects when he does. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into this this morning. But specifically, the words of his grace, abiding in these words, affects the way that I see. Now, church, we are commanded in 2 Corinthians 4.18... We are in this training process. You and I are in training mode. It says, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, we do not look at things which are seen. We need to become people. We need to become the children of God that know how to see the unseen. This is how we're supposed to live. This is where you and I are training for. So how do we do this? How do we get involved in this? How do I see the unseen? I need to engage my thoughts with throne room realities. Okay? Say it with me. Engage my thoughts with throne room realities. So look at this. Colossians chapter 3 again. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, what do I do? Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 2, he says, think. Somebody shout out, think. 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 What are you thinking about? Because you know there is a direct relation between what you're thinking and spiritual activity. Romans chapter 8 talks about those who think on the flesh do flesh things. Those whose mind is fixed on the spirit carry out spiritual things. Where's the connection here? It's right here. It's all based on how you're thinking. So you and I, were, this is now, again, God's not going to force you to think a certain way. He's going to submit himself to you. And now here's the option, is I actually have the opportunity to think about the things of heaven? Listen, you, a, a, a mere mortal man, woman, are capable of thinking about heavenly things through his word. And those are the things that are not seen. So verse 3, he says, you died to this life. Why do you have to think about things of heaven? Why are you supposed to think about the things above? Because you died. Say it, I'm dead. dead. I died to this life. I'm dead to this life. And my real life, where is it? It's hidden. Not hidden from you, hidden for you. So what needs to be involved is my imagination. Is my thinking process so that I can actually partake in the real life that I have, which is in Christ, in God. I can't go to a psychiatrist and ask, what am I supposed to do? They don't know. I can't even go ask my mom and my dad, what do I do? Who, what am I supposed to be? They don't know. They were involved in me getting here, 
But other than that, they have no idea what the Lord has called me ultimately to do. So where do I have to go? I got to go to him who knows everything. And here's the good news. He's an open book. He's willing to showcase to you and I everything that he has planned out for you. But here's the thing. God's will for my life will not automatically fall on me. My will is one, but also my imagination plays a huge part to this. And I want to show you why. Now, before I read, I want to give you just the, the RSV. It says, whatever you face in your daily life, acquaint yourselves with the greater reality. Did you know that there is a greater reality in the room right now? And what is that? That's all the thousands of angels that are here that you can't see. If, if you were to open them up, there'd be demons walking around. So what do you do? How do we live? Based on what I can see. That's how we're so trained. This is not normal. I I, I recently bought this book. Well, book. It's called, uh, in the history, uh, The Book of Adam and Eve. Now, it's not gospel. It's not part of the canon. But it is a really interesting uh, historical book that the Jews uh, found. And they, I mean, obviously, they, they kept all that. Listen, Adam lived 936 years. The guy's got some information to share. Right? But one of the first things that you see is how they got born again the opposite way. And one of the things you actually hear Adam just, he's crying out to Eve in this. So they had to leave the garden and now they're under, they went, I think, to the northwest side and it was underneath this cave, they said. He said, what we used to see. And he's, he's bawling. Like you, I mean, if you're prone to depression, don't read this book. What he just was, he, he said, I fell to my knees and I'm just crying out. What my eyes used to behold, the angels singing to our heavenly father, constantly singing and flying around. We used to see all of that. And now I see this mere dark cave. Church, we just got so used to, as the generations have gone on, we are just so used to, this is how life is. Stop that. I want to encourage you, get that junky thinking out of your mind and ways of lifestyle. That is not how this life is supposed to be. Well, you know, it is what it is. Get that out of your vocabulary. Get it out. Why? Because we have a God. Ephesians 3.20. Look at this. We know this verse. And I want to remind you again this morning what our God is capable of doing and will do. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And you can read it in context. It says that he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination he will outdo them all all for his miraculous power is constantly energizing you so that is the god that you and i serve but i guess here's the thing you and i are involved in this taking place god is capable but here's a here's a very interesting thing is that because God is able, doesn't mean that he has the right to do it in our life. Now this word imagination is the Hebrew word for yes sir. And it means to conceive. Remember? Again, we know this in the natural. In order to have and bring forth a child, you need to conceive. Right? Well, in the spirit world, why do we think it's so different and kind of magical and God's got slots up there that he's just pulling for random people? You and I are spiritual farmers we need to conceive or allow the seed of God's word to come into our hearts which is your subconscious mind and you need to start imagining seeing yourself with that healing just as an example 
So much of the time we're waiting for an external thing to change when God's going, the picture on the inside doesn't line up with what you're asking for. It'd be like a preg- or a, being like a woman walking around saying, I'm, I'm pregnant, I want to be pregnant, I want to be pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm, go- I'm going to be pregnant, I'm going to be pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. But you're, you're not married to a man, it's going to be very difficult to do. Please don't make me go into that, you understand, okay. But why do we think in the spiritual world, it's just kind of random, poof, I'm pregnant with vision. Oh, I'm, I'm pregnant with a promise. You've not, you've not conceived anything. So when the image isn't the same on the inside, and we're expecting something to be different on the outside, there's something conflicting. And what's going to be battle is actually you are going to be talking against what's taking place out here. The image works on the inside first. Are we still okay? Now, the children of Israel, an example, Psalm 78 verse 41. This is a verse... This will slap the sovereignty mindset people that just say, well, God is sovereign. He does whatever he wants to do. This verse will drastically change your thinking. God is sovereign, yes, but in his sovereignty, he has given the earth to the children of men. So God has sovereignly limited himself to the working of his body. God can't just do whatever he wants to do on this earth. The same way Satan can't do whatever he needs on this earth. What does he need? He needs a body. He needs a vessel to flow through. Well, now look at this. Talking about the Israelites. Again and again, the Israelites. And we just talk about the God who can do all things. Exceed your wildest imaginations. They, who's they? The Israelites. They limited God. Preventing God from blessing them. (laughs) What? Continually, they turned their back from him and provoked the Holy One of Israel. So let me ask you this question. (laughs) Actually, before I ask you, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 real quick. So the reality to this is even though God is an unlimited God, he can still be limited because I haven't conceived in my imagination all that he has promised for me. I don't see it. And if I don't see it, I'm pointing to the eyes of my heart. If I don't see it, I can't see it. So a lot of the times we're waiting for God to change the outside and God's going, I need change on the inside to take place so that you can hold what you're going to receive. Is God a miracle working God? Absolutely. But miracles again are not God's best. What? People living from miracle to miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. No, you need seed. You need the seed of God's word to get on the inside of you to change the image. Why is it people think, oh, I just need to, you know, if I can win a million bucks, I'd change everything. The problem would be the picture you got on the inside. How come it is, is that people, when they win the lottery, it's gone within the first six months to a year. And it's all spent and they're back in their old state. Why? The image is wrong. So what needs to take place? A new image. And where is that image? It's hidden with Christ in God. So where do I need to go to find out where this image is? The word, the Bible. Now notice this about the Israelites. It says, to whom God was speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? Now look at verse 19. So we see that because of their Israelites, because of their... Now notice how he said disobeyed or disobedient and unbelief are hand in hand. What is disobedience in the New Testament? 
Unbelief. Because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So can I submit that to you again this morning? Because of unbelief, I'm not inheriting the promise. And we just got to think, I got to believe better. I got to believe better. I got to believe better. That's not the issue. It's believing changes the picture on the inside. Okay, let's look here. Go to Numbers 13. But let me ask you this question. What kept the Israelites out of the promised land? Was it God? Was it the giants? Then what was it? Unbelief. Okay, look at this. We got to read this quick. It says, when they returned from spying of the land, at the end of the 40 days, they came, to, came by Moses and Aaron and all the congregation, the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word to them and to the congregation and showed them the land's fruit. They reported to Moses and said, we went to the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But the people who live in the land are strong and cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw uh, there that the descendants of Anak, the people of great stature and courage, the people of descendants from Adam, Amalek live in the land of the Negev, south country, the Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorite live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live in, in, by the Dead Sea, along by the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Who's right? They both are. What's the problem is what they saw. <laughs> okay. So they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land. Didn't say a wrong report. It says a bad one. Still true. They, they saw there were giants there. A bad report about the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we went in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And I'm sure it did. And all the people that we saw in that are, are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Now again, fast forward to Joshua. You hear of these same people that they went to go and fight. These people, they put words in the giant's mouth. We're, we're grasshoppers in their sight. That's actually not what they thought. They were terrified of Israel because they knew their God was on their side. We heard what they did with the Egyptians, so they didn't want to mess with them. That's why God says, take the land, it's yours. Giants. You, well, yeah, we laugh now, but how many times do we do that? We Google what's wrong with us, and we go, giant, I, I, there's no way I can get healed from that. There's no way that way, I, I don't know, we were in you know, trillions of dollars indebted. How, our, our economy's going down. It's the same thing. What's the problem? It's the inner image. We don't have the promises of God strong and taking hold on the inside of us to the point that, hey, this is what's going on in the world, but my God says, let's go up once and take this land. Let's go up once and stand for our nation. This is who we are. We can surely conquer it. So what's the problem here? The imagination is wild. Amen. Hone it in. What has he said about me? What is the promises that he made about me? What has he declared in his word to be true? Listen, either God's word is wrong or I'm not seeing it yet. And my Bible says, let God be found true and everybody else a liar. So I'm going to stick with the Bible on this. 
well, I've prayed and I haven't seen anything yet. What's your inner image look like? What is your talk when you leave? Because anybody can talk churchy. What does it look like when you leave? What, what goes through your mind? And you see yourself in the mirror and again, there goes that, I can never get rid of this. I'm just, that's, this is wrong with me. It happened to my family. And, da, 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 da. and what's taking place is that image is just getting built stronger on the inside of you. What God is desiring and what he's saying through this abiding is I need you to see for who you really are. In the days that we are going into, folks, we need to know who we are in him. Who am I in him? Like what Pastor Julian read earlier, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do all things. Joel, I can't. But through Christ, when he enables me and tells me to do something, bring it on. The psalmist says, I can kick over a wall or I can jump over a wall and slap a few people around and beat them up real good. Listen, this is what we're going to get into next, but this is called the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith isn't just, okay, I got to learn how to talk properly. It's a fire that you catch on the inside by abiding. When you get so connected to who Jesus is on the inside, it changes your vocabulary. People talk lack and people talk, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Oh, But my God says, Psalm 91, because I put my trust and my love in him, he will greatly defend me. There's a different tone with it. It makes a tadpole slap a whale. (laughs) What is it? It's a different spirit about them. How come Caleb and Joshua could say, let's go. Let's spank these giants. We can take them. Oh, man, oh, we can't. We can't do that. They're both right. And that's what's sad about it. Why are they both right? Because the image that they see on the inside of them. So I don't know about you, but I want to be part of the Joshua Caleb crew. And there's a, they, God even tied that there's a different spirit that's about them. This different spirit, how did it come? Well, they're just special. They just grew up, you know, they grew up in a Christian home, so they just must be special. Oh, Joel, he was grew up on a pastor's kid, so he must be special. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not at all. So what is it? It's actually taking the secret sauce and actually drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm going to absolutely throw my mind on this and train myself when an evil report comes my way. Now here's the thing, notice this too. But the majority went with the 10 spies. Y'all, the majority went with the 10 spies. Because why? They were looking at what they could see. They were focused on what it looked like out here. But God's not called you to look at what's going on here. And again, that's not to navigate and say, well, forget, you know, common sense. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't be weird. You need eyes to cross the street. Use them. But what he's saying is, I'm not going to allow what's taking out out here to throw me off guard, to throw me off in, oh, I wonder what's in panic mode. I trust God. Trust the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own limited understanding but in all my ways lord i'm acknowledging you lord what do i do about this situation this is the report that came my way and lord what what do i do about this and the lord will give direction all right i'll follow that and i I'll, i won't go further actually last verse up here look at this proverbs 29 18 but it says if people can't see if people can't see what god is doing they stumble all over themselves but when they attend to what he reveals they're most blessed So you and I are qualified to actually see what God's doing. How do I see? Abide. I'm not trying to get visions. I'm not trying to see something different. Just spend time abiding. And what's going to take place? You're going to start seeing things differently. And God reveals things. Oh, I see it. 
Last just example, and I'll close with this. Uh, many of you heard my story, and I, I really wanted a Hummer. And uh, London, she has a little friend that drove a toy Hummer, and he drove it onto my lawn, and I got offended. And I said, get off my lawn. You're four. Get out of here. Get that. No, you cannot play with my daughter. No, you cannot see my daughter. No, you cannot even talk to my daughter. Get your Hummer and yourself off my lawn now. So there he went in half a kilometer an hour. Looking back and giving me the stare out. Y'all, so what I started doing is I started imagining myself sitting in a Hummer. I actually sat in, I don't know if Joe's here. I actually sat in his Hummer and I went, see it made toy more toy truck sounds <laughs> running over stuff <laughs> yesterday i got a hummer three <laughs> the lord is very gracious jamie didn't see me in it but she does now <laughs> and she goes mm, i thought that would look good on you i said i know girl i know but that was just, that's a very minuscule imagination. But nonetheless, it works the same way. We are image beings. When I say dog, you don't think D-O-G. You think of your dog. But every time I say a word, it adds to the description. Black dog. Big, ugly, black dog. Big, ugly, three-legged, snarling, smearing black dog. What did I do? Every word added to the description to that dog. And what did you do? You got the image on the inside of you. You and I are spiritual farmers. God's word is not just a sovereign book that nobody can understand. That's not the heart of it. God's word didn't come from God's pen. It came from his mouth. And God's word is to be taken and it's for me to now start speaking it so that I start creating an image on the inside of me. Stop calling your kids, oh, they're just, you know, they're living like the world. They're out, they're out doing that. No, no, no. My children are taught of the Lord. You need to start using these words, using what God said. It's mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with God. He spoke it so that it could be written, and it was written so that it could be spoken. So when I start speaking now this word, man, I'm releasing things now. But here's the thing. Use this word. This is where I bide. The psalmist said, I know where to run. The Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're lifted up. What, what is that? Is that just a song or something you sing? No, it's an actual place. How do you get there? Abide. Psalm 91. We love quoting. We love saying it. He who dwells in the secret place. It's all about abiding. The secret is not for just a few select people. It's for the whole body. But only few are actually taking advantage of it. Oh, my life's just a mess. Abide. Go get with him. Oh, I don't know what to do. I got a big decision coming my way. Abide. Get with him. And, and you'll find out in that quiet time, watch how the Spirit of God is going to minister and just start showing you what you need to know. Because he loves to. You got born again for this. You're not a guest. You're a son. The same way that I look at my kids. When I got, we got some pictures of our kids on fridge, and I, I'll, I'll just look at them. I go, man, I love them. Man, they're fun to look at. I Look at that smile. Jamie and I, we, when we're like ready for bed, kids go to bed and they're finally in bed. And what do you do? You look at your phone at all the pictures you took and you went, man, they're amazing. Well, you have a heavenly father. Your picture's on his fridge and when he looks at you, it's not you. He takes great delight in you. He has a huge smile on his face. 
So you need to, like, even for some of you, start getting that image that God is not some distant God that's just mad at everything that you do. The moment, oh, I'm up, so God must be mad. Come on. We got to change the image on the inside. Really, well, all, that, all that kind of talk shows me, you haven't spent time abiding. You've religiously heard something. And here's a crazy thing. We know so much about a God that we don't actually know. I'm done. But just on that, can I encourage you, change that image. Change it on the inside. Allow the Spirit of God to show you who you are, and it's all done through abiding. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have given. Just put your eyes just over your, this, the core of your being, the center of you, who you are. And just say this after me. I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. I'm quick to understand. I am hungry to learn. Lord, I'm in love with you. Thank you for loving me. I receive your love in Jesus' name. Now just do that. Every time you go into the word, I love. The Lord loves me. He loves me. He loves me.